I don't want to be a martyr. Nor I. I want to live. That is good. For believing what you do, we confer upon you a rare gift these days. A martyr's death. The cross commands you. The blood of the martyrs commands you. I wrote them down in my diary so that I wouldn't have to remember. All right, we are heading back to España, this time in the 9th century. Now, why? Well, because when you're dealing with the early Middle Ages, then you are dealing with a spreading Christendom except for the Iberian Peninsula. So, remember... Excuse me. Little history rundown for you. 732 AD is the Battle of Tours, unless you're dealing with Muslim history, in which case it's the Battle of Poitiers. I would guess that's how you'd say that. Spelled Poitiers, so I don't even know exactly how that would run down. Uh, Somewhere in western France is where the battle was fought, so I'd probably go with Poitiers. So between the towns of Poitiers and Tours... It was a victory for a gentleman by the name of Charles Martel. Martel meaning the hammer, the nickname he was given for winning this battle. He is the father of a man named Pepin the Short, which is unfortunate. And he is the grandfather of a man named Charlemagne. Now, the Battle of Tours is important in Western civilization's history because it halts the Islamic progress into Western Europe. Remember... Islam starts forming in the 7th century, sweeps from the Middle East through into the Fertile Crescent, up into the Baltic areas of Europe, up into and towards the Asian steppe, and across North Africa, where it then begins to push into Western Europe, conquering the Iberian Peninsula, and again, having... uh, forts and embattlements all the way up into places like Provence in France, which would allow them to access into the Alpine range going all the way down into Italy. So this Battle of Tours halts that advance and kind of locks Islam into the Iberian Peninsula. Now, this becomes important because something we'll deal with as we get into persecutions into the High Middle Ages is the Holy Roman Empire, which forms out of the Carolingian dynasty formed by Charles Martel and his offspring. <coughs> now, what that does to Spain, with Islamic rule kind of uh, halted from being able to push north and eastward, is there is this ebb and flow in the Muslim control of Spain and, well, modern-day Spain and southern France. So what you've got is a predominantly Muslim Iberian Peninsula, so a predominantly Muslim Spain and Portugal. We're just going to use the modern uh, country names. You have the Franks in control of France in the Carolingian dynasty. You have Visigoths still in control of northwestern Iberia, the Asturians, and they're eventually, as the 9th century moves along, going to push that rule from the northwestern corner of the Iberian Peninsula all the way down to things into modern Portugal, so to places like Lisbon. You also have a buffer zone. You have the Navarre people in the Pyrenees Mountains, and those are actually the modern Basque people that still exist. Um, interesting genetic history if you ever feel like getting into it. Now, 
All of that to tell you, this is why we come back here. As you're dealing with this section of medieval history, you're dealing with this time period in the Middle Ages, you have Christendom beginning to form and solidify itself in Western Europe, down into the Italian peninsula, all the way into the Rus people and the Baltic regions. So you're having a large Christian empire sort of spread out. But with that, you are still encountering various cultures. And every time this happens, there is friction, not just politically, but religiously. So we are going to pull from the Martyrs of Cordoba, which is a time period recorded from about 850 to 859. Eulagius of Cordoba is the hagiography we grab from, and the reason why I say it's a hagiography is Eulagius is one of the martyrs, but there is a story written about his life, and it includes a story of the other martyrs during this time period. Excuse me. Now, Uh, Eulagius was a priest in Cordoba. There were lots of priests and bishops executed during this time, but there were also lots of Arabs executed during this time. Why, you might ask? Well, here's the two crimes. There's blasphemy, and there's apostasy. So the Christians that were executed, let me rephrase that. The European Christians that were executed during this time were typically executed for blasphemy for speaking against Muhammad or speaking against the Quran. The Arab Christians that were executed during this time were typically executed due to apostasy. They were converted Muslims who have become Christians and were killed for their trouble. So, the monk and priest perfecto If you go with the Latin name, it is Perfectus, but I like the local flair of San Perfecto. So that's literally Saint Perfect. Hey, Christian, have goals, right? Now, he was a monk at the Basilica of Saint Akiskalus, and I have no idea if I'm saying that correctly, and I don't care. Now, what's fun is Akiskalus was actually a martyr himself. So the basilica where Perfecto is a monk and a priest is actually named for a martyr from the Diocletian persecution, which is also known as the Great Persecution, that persecution that breaks out in the early 4th century. Now, Perfecto meets his demise because in the course of life, Muslim-controlled Spain, Al-Andalusia, anyway, Andalusia, I believe is what the name is. I didn't write it down, so I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to say it from memory, and I'm not doing a good job, is Muslim-controlled, but as long as you paid your jizya as a Christian, so as long as you paid your monthly tax, as long as you didn't, you know, try to do any proselytization, as long as you were smart and capable and did a good job, you could actually function in Islamic society. You could get jobs in the government, you could teach people, you could do all sorts of things. So there was quite a bit of interaction between Islam and Christianity at this time period. Not a lot of it friendly, but a lot of interaction. Well, Perfecto was asked by some apparently Muslim friends or acquaintances or people he was debating with, I'm not entirely sure, who was the greater prophet, Jesus or Muhammad? Now, Perfecto may have been born at night, but he was not born last night. So he determines not to answer this question as it could cost him his head, literally. So he refuses. Well, his debate partners promise him, look, look, we're, we're, we're not 
in this to get you or catch you. We're, this is not, that's not the point. We just want to hear your arguments and kind of go with that. So Perfecto is reported as saying that Muhammad was a false prophet and that he was an immoral man because he had seduced his adopted son's wife. And this is one of those embarrassing stories of Islam that as near as we can figure is true. That at some point, Muhammad went after his daughter-in-law and stole her away from his son, whom he had adopted. That's kind of icky. So, do with that what you may. So, that was Perfecto's reasoning. So, his uh, debate partners left. And apparently, at some point, a handful of them changed their mind. So, they came back and had Perfecto arrested. Now, again... There were some treaties there at the time between the Islamic government and the Christians of Cordoba that would apparently have prevented some of these executions, if not most of these executions, unless there was really, really good evidence. So you couldn't just have the Muslims make accusation and the Christians get killed for it. So one of the things that would guarantee that you got killed, though, is when you were called to testify that you actually do blaspheme according to Sharia law. So they bring Perfecto in front of the judge, and he's given a chance to testify on his behalf, on his own behalf. Did you blaspheme the prophet? Did you blaspheme the Quran? <sighs> to his credit, Perfecto said, yeah, Muhammad's a false prophet. The Quran is a false religious text and accuses Islam of being a basically a cheap knockoff of Christianity, which is the true religion. That got him beheaded. Now, why do I tell you that story? Why do you care, Christian? It's 2022. In a syncretistic world, in a multicultural world, the gospel light shines. Even in 9th century Muslim Spain, the light shines and the darkness rails against it. Now, Christian, you can take comfort because in your multicultural world, in your melting pot of religious and philosophical stew that we live in, you can rest assured that the truth of the gospel will shine through and be recognized for what it is. That may not always end well for you in this place, but a trust in faith in Christ always ends well in eternity, which is where Perfecto's hope was found. Christian, the same spirit that strengthened him strengthens you. The same gospel message that saved him saves you. And the same faithful proclamation that converted the Muslims of Cordoba and the Iberian Peninsula in the 9th century is the same gospel message that converts the pagans today. Walk faithfully, trust in God's work, and until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good.